This segment of the Bystander Podcast is brought to you by Eagle Harbor Insurance. We don't sell insurance, we help people buy it. This has always been their motto and continues. They understand every family has different insurance needs, be it coverage or premiums. No two cases are the same, and they will always do their best to guide you into the proper coverage to fit your budget. They are here to help anytime. Give them a call at 206 206- 842-7410 or contact them online at eagleharborinsurance.com Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician Clint Ramsey brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206-451-4220. I'm Maria Metzler, the Executive Director of Helpline House. The global pandemic has affected us all differently. If you or your neighbors need food assistance, mental health counseling, rental assistance, or parks and rec vouchers, please reach out. Helpline House can help in many ways. Find us on the web at helplinehouse.org. It's what we do. Neighbor helping neighbor. Additional support comes from Sound Reaper Graphics at soundrepro.com. Their phone number is 206-780-9678. Go to them for all your printing needs. Support also comes from Island Hoops Basketball and more. You can catch them on Facebook, SoccerGoalShelter.com. Soccer Goal Shelter's new product, the Slim Shade, is the most efficient and economical sports team shelter on the market today. It is lightweight, compact, and assembles with ease by one person in less than two minutes. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. your host with the most, Tiny Tim. What's cracking, Podcastville? You found the Bystander Podcast. Today, my guest is Peaceful Pender. What's cracking? What's going on? You know what the fuck's going on, spreading that peace frequency and those love vibrations. I'm just trying to get in the peace gang with you, man. Yes, sir. Come be a peacekeeper. Everyone's welcome. You ain't even gotta, you ain't gotta listen to the music to come spread this peace and love. Tell, tell me the story behind uh, Peace Gang. Um, Peace Gang originally, actually, so my initials are DJP. My full name is Derek John Pinder. That's where Pinder comes in the name, Peaceful Pinder, as far as the stage name. So actually, when I started doing music, I think a lot of artists go through like a rebranding. So my initial like rap name was just DJP. And I was like looking for something, trying to come up with something creative. Um, 
But I think that happens like really organically when you end up really having like the right stage name for yourself. Um, so I was originally like started this movement called Don't Judge People. And that was like the bigger than music message, you know, like my initials being DJP is like not spreading, um, you know, misinformation or judging people just based off of, you know, certain characteristics or dis, um, different belief systems or whatever. So that's their whole original idea. And then, you know, when I ended up adopting the name Peaceful Pinder, just because a lot of people around me were like, you're, you're always peaceful. You're always putting us in that kind of vibe. You're always calming us down. You're always, you know, guiding people in, in the way that you speak and the way you go about your business. The whole idea of Peace Gang just kind of came to me because um, that's like the whole idea for me is to, as a human being, uh, besides the music, is to raise the vibrations of the planet by spreading peace, love, and unity. So the platform that I get to do that through is music, um, which in turn, you know, you get to do wonderful podcasts with gracious people like yourself and things like that. So there's all different ways that you get to end up, you know, being in people's ear or in front of them visually to talk about this kind of thing. So yeah, Peace Gang, the whole idea is just like everyone in it is a peacekeeper. We want to love people and just do that in our day-to-day actions. You know, I'm not saying like you got to do a bunch of random acts of kindness, but I, I like to think that having mannerisms and, um, that are, that are excellent and just treating people with respect, no matter if it's the CEO or the janitor, like you hear that saying, but do you really live it every day? I feel like if we all really took that to heart, we could make the world a better place a lot quicker than, you know, protesting or anything else. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just choose to go about making an impact a different way. Yeah, I hear you. Well, what is your topic of, topic of influence? Because you, you talk a lot about peace. But there, there's an influence of drugs, uh, adversity, mental health, uh, hard, hard N-word, a lot of your songs. Right. Um, besides your identity, how do you feel mm-hmm. going to influence people through this peace movement? Um, so to be real with you, I mean, like, you know, I, I coach fifth graders. Um, I'll be real with you the whole time. But like to be very blunt about the situation is, you know, I coach AU basketball. I coach, you know, from third grade to sixth grade. I coach uh, the Lake Washington feeder program. Um, fifth grade. So I'm around youth all the time. I do private trainings for basketball. Let's go. I see you with the Ray Ray. Ray Ray. Um, Shout out, shout out Ray Allen. He's, he's hella cool. But, um, like Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Jesus Shuttleworth. Uh, so yeah, like, you know, I'm around youth all the time. That's a big part of why I chose to do music. And I'm very transparent with the kids. You know, I smoke weed. Uh, I, like you said, I say the, uh, heart, like N word, you know, like you hear from most rappers who are, dark skinned or six, nine, who's, you know, saying it, it's a lot, there's a lot of different perspectives around that. You know, the, the reality is however people perceive me, I, I don't, I don't really care. What I do care about is if you get to know me, if you take the time to follow my story and to follow my journey and you listen to an interview or you listen to the music, you'll actually get to understand the art and the reason behind it. So I'm super inspired by people like Mark Twain. Um, I started out writing poetry. So I like satire. I like poking fun. I like taking jabs. So I have, you know, my song Jolly is on SoundCloud. The hook goes, Lil Shorty, happy off of Molly. Am I going to hit shit probably? That whole song is taking jabs at my generation and the way that we live and the type of lifestyle that they think is okay. 
And if you listen to my other songs, you're going to hear the message. You're going to hear, oh, if you could put two and two together. And actually, once I start to tell my story a little bit more, people will be like, there's a lot more substance and depth to this art. And so, you know, like the album I just dropped is called Trapeze Artist. So I grew up in a trap house, but I'm, I excelled in academics and I excelled in sports. And those were. Uh, so, I mean, like my uncle was cooking crack cocaine in there and dealing it as well. And a lot of this Everett to rent and strip. Okay. And when I say uncle, that's like my auntie's boyfriend who's basically pimping her and the rest of my family. So my whole family's like addicted to drugs, things like that. I grew up in this environment from zero to 11 and, you know, I had to do a lot of things that I didn't want to do and be around a lot of things I didn't want to be around. And most of my cousins got taken away by CPS and things like that. So I'm around the hard N word you know, with my white family, you know, my dad's African-American, my mom's white, but we grew up extremely poor in a low income community. I ate top ramen two, three times a day. Sugar cereal was like a really good dinner. So I grew up in this type of environment and I don't care who you are. You see a lot of kids in New York in these types of, you know, section eight housing, what I grew up in. And this is the world that it is. This is, this is your culture. This is your environment. Plus I'm biracial. So you know, there's a lot of that that ties into it. The kids get to hear my story. I mean, they know what I've overcome. They know that I didn't choose drugs. They know that despite all my loved ones being on that path, I chose to excel in these other outlets where I saw an opportunity to get out or at least have some kind of positivity um, in terms of the respect that you get from others and the type of human being that you end up becoming, right? So that's the whole idea of trapeze artists is like balancing being an academic like nerd <laughs> basically because I found it beautiful to learn and to grow and, and not want to be on drugs or making bad decisions or being violent things like that versus like, this is my family. This is what we do. This is just what I know. Right. So it's very tough. It was like at home environment versus anytime I was like at school or staying in a club or, you know, doing sports or whatever. So it is very difficult um, to communicate that message to people. But I mean, it's just if you want to take the time to get to know me, you'll see that. And if you see me in person and you, you, you know, you get to know who I am and hear my story a little bit. It's like, look, I'm not going to just put it myself into a box so you feel comfortable. Right. That's not that like that's the whole point of me expressing myself as an artist. Look, I worked at a finance firm right here in downtown Kirkland at some of the most high level people, small business owners, Amazon executives, you know, Boeing executives, whatever, for four years. And I'll tell you, I've seen the world in a lot of different prisms. The fakest people are the people who on the surface level seem to have it all together. Or you right. look at them and it makes sense to you. You know, that's the people that have the most criminal and you know what it is? It's because every day they compromise their own liberation and their own freedom of their spirit and their soul. They're not true to themselves. And that's the last thing that I, I'll be damned. I'd rather have the whole world hate me and I'm still free. Right. Uh, there's something to be said about being authentic. You know, you don't put yourself, your best self forward socially all the time. You got to show that awkwardness, that, that failure, because we learn so much from failing. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest about it, if I can be... Um, very vulnerable in this moment right here. I say that that was the feedback I received two years ago. I had a lot of momentum when I originally put out music, put out music videos and I got stunted. I got paralyzed because, you know, I was like, well, you white boy saying the N word. And, you know, I've had identity issues. I don't talk to my mom or dad or any of my blood family because of the choices that they've made and not wanting to surround myself with that kind of stuff. Do I love them? Do I have unconditional love for them? Would I like to have a relationship? Absolutely. I just talked to my dad for the first time in like seven years on Father's Day. But Good on that, 
you, you know what I'm saying? I want to make amends with those things, but at the same time, you got to do what's best for yourself. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. that did, that did stump me when people said that I definitely did have a hard time, but as I grew older, you know, now I just turned 26, you start to realize like what's important in life. And you know, what's important in life is me making an impact on this youth and me making an impact on the the world by giving it my truest self. And that's all I could ask anybody else to do. And I'm not here to judge them on their journey or tell them what they can or can't say, as long as it's not violent uh, um, or dangerous to other human beings or animals or like living conscious beings. I, I think, you know, we're okay. You vegan? Uh, I've tried. It's very difficult. I'm a flex. I strive. I strive to be, but it's very difficult. We were just at Daniel's Broiler last night. How am I supposed to eat vegan there? Yeah, <laughs> too funny. Yeah, <laughs> you can't um, pick your family, so sometimes it's difficult. Like my cousin yesterday, I don't really talk to him, but he had uh, put up a picture of Hitler and quoted it, and I was, I was just raging. You know, I was like, that's. You got the same last name as me because, you know, it, it it doesn't look right. But when he looks at me down at CHOP or, or, or filming Seattle or talking liberal policies and stuff like that, you know, he's got a lot of hate for me. So right. we meet in the middle, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's hard to be a centrist, centrist because there's so many people that say everything's to the left or everything's to the right. And there's a lot more things that we agree on down the middle. We just got to find those things. I agree absolutely with that. There's so many layers to each perspective, whether it's far right or far left, and that there's too many commonalities in the human experience to be divisive. But if you understand 48 laws of power, or just power in general, divide and conquer is a foundational part of it. So a lot of people just, I mean, if you're, if you're ignorant, you know, if you look at like the Hebrew definition of sin, whether you're religious or not, it's a very powerful book, very powerful knowledge, very powerful things that are taught. Um, it's actually defined as ignorance. Um, so I think, you know, without education, or now there's more information than ever for people to go get it. You can be misled. Yes. Are you a religious or a spiritual person? I'm a very spiritual person. I don't like to denominate myself with religion, but for label purposes, people would call me a Christian. I simply believe in Jesus Christ myself. I don't push that message or that belief system on anybody. I just found that that's what resonates with me and that's just what I connect with. So um, I also am big into like Egyptology and the Ankh, like the crucifix on Sado, where the cross actually came from in Christian belief. I believe in pushing past that a lot of the Bible. Um, the Bible left out 44 stories. So like I said, I don't really consider myself a Christian. I, I believe in a certain um way of looking at spirituality and one love and basically connectedness. Um, I think that everyone finds their truth and connection with the universe and source energy in different ways. That's my belief really at the end of the day. Some people would say that's like seek. Yeah, you blow me away that you went to the same high school as me. Uh, you sound in hella educated right now and I'm sitting here stuck on, you know, 1985. <laughs> right. I'm happy you got a world. High school didn't. High school didn't teach me shit. The education system didn't teach me anything. I'm big on like education reform, but just more focused on like you know these younger kids that I train, like going to be a freshman at L Dub. I given him books that I wish I would have read when I was 13, 14 years old, like The Alchemist, um, or even something as simple as like how to win friends and influence people. So I could start to see this world through this different lens of like we're all here with 
the ability to win. It's an abundant world. It's just how can I provide value to my fellow neighbor, you know? Right on. So after Bothell, did you go to college? Yeah, I went to Bellevue College for a little bit. Um, that. And I took some courses at UW. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have some pretty cool experience from UW just because my mentors at the private uh, wealth management firm were graduates from the Foster School of Business. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my whole thing was studying finance. I just grew up so poor I wanted to learn it. And, you know, they don't teach you that in public school, like st- stocks, bonds, cash. Not even really much. Checkbook or savings account. Yeah, like the simplest of stuff, right? Like, um, so now being able to read like a income statement, like a PL and, you know, balance sheets and things like that, and being able to start the LLC. My lady, we've been together for quite a while. She's a real estate broker. She's been on her own for a while. So just running our, you know, working for ourselves, do, like I said, doing the private trainings with basketball and coaching. It's been really cool because you work really hard, you know, and you're 16 to, 25 working jobs and doing whatever you can especially in your early 20s and usually that lasts longer i'm just really lucky that i got that kind of that business mindset and that entrepreneurial mindset and that hustle um game given to me early by some really good mentors i worked hard to open those doors but without those people i wouldn't be where i am yeah i mean the hustle trumps everything in my mind yeah no doubt always so what um what's what's your earliest um memory of wanting to rap or writing down poetry uh i started writing poetry when i was six uh because i was scared i don't think i've ever said that out loud like that but that's the real truth um how did that counter being scared um i feel like I'm gonna get hella emotional. I I never actually like got to the real reason of this. Uh, I feel like just seeing it on, I I feel like seeing it on paper. Um, that's a damn good question. I feel like seeing it on paper, and reading it out loud, gave me power over my situation a little bit. Like it gave me a story. I I I really like fantasy stories when I was growing up. Hero's Journey. So the poetry would usually be spun like that. I was big drawn into Disney movies, like Aladdin, just like on repeat of like a slum, a kid that's in the slums who somehow becomes a prince. Um, So I think that that just gave life to what I was stifling down. And nobody, so nobody really listened. Like a lot of kids get neglected not necessarily they grow up in an environment as chaotic as mine or as violent, but they get neglected and that chemically causes the same reactions as physical pain. Um, so I think that not that lack of recognition, except for being at school and things like that was a way for, you know, when I would take that to a teacher without being prompted on my own initiative, you know, then I would, kind of get special treatment but they would take more of an interest in me because they're like this kid really wants to learn this really this kid really wants to express himself or they saw some kind of potential um so i think that when i initially did that and then i showed somebody that response and that feedback and that eventually grew into songwriting when i was like freestyling at parties you know i'd always be pretty filthy because now i i was an ap english i excelled in language and linguistic stuff and i always did poetry so rhymes came easy and people don't do that and you know, I found that I had the ear for music, that natural rhythm that uh, some people just don't have. 
and yeah that's how it all kind of came together so like 18 years old i really started actually songwriting because i kept getting feedback from these freestyles and these parties like yo 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 you gotta make a track you gotta actually do something and then just grew from there do you have any um musical background like did you play piano or did you get stuff violin uh, no like i played instruments in school growing up um i actually really wanted to play the clarinet uh, so i got pretty damn good with the recorder uh, i still could play the recorder pretty well um but now it's i've been learning the guitar pretty much all of 2020 and i gave it a shot like two or three years ago got familiar with it but the guitar is the first thing and then so since i learned producing like if i had a piano in front of me i could pay you like play you like basic minor minor and major scales um because i learned how to produce and make beats and that's like the foundation is you have to be able to make a melody on a piano yeah. or at least understand how the piano works um but my first goal is to learn the guitar and then really learn the piano i mean like my long-term goals with music is to do some kind of like elton john you know when i'm 40 50 getting older like really create ballads and classical music and something like really special yeah my my guest yesterday was Leroy bell and uh, he wrote songs for elton john back in the day teddy pendergast he's working with ge smith now the saturday night live band leader and used to be in hall notes i don't know if you remember those guys but mm. We were looking at his guitars last night, and it's GE at 700. Damn. Whole basement. They all had names, too, and he remembered every one of them. Damn. Quite the trip. Yeah, that is quite the trip. When was the, how old were you when you played your first track? Uh, 17, or right when I turned 18. But I didn't really take music serious until like three or four years ago. You got a favorite song out of everything you've done? Mm, on Trapeze Artists, I mean, Come Up is my favorite record because it's really like such a good representation of just the hard work that went into finding my own sound and realizing, you know, what potential is. Um, and it's still a, lot, a work in progress. It always is. It's a long-term journey. Um, but I think Come Up tells the story really well and it's melodic and just you know relatable for kids that actually want to listen to or people my age yeah let me see if i got that on deck here real quick um i like that one because it says i've been traveling for a while now i've been trapping for a while now and when i say trapping like that's for anybody like anybody's hustle you know what i mean whatever your trap is right the come up Got it mapped out. I put the devil in submission and he tapped out. Going hard like a frat boy trying to black out. Couldn't be a druggie overdosing. That's a bad route. That's a bad move, bad maneuver. All them DUI-ish, couldn't take you a Uber. My heart froze like my diamond stay wet like I scuba. Couldn't follow your lead cause I know you a
traveling for a while now. I've been traveling for a while. I've been for a while now. I've been traveling for a while. That's also probably my second favorite song. It's I choose between "Come Up" and that one. That one was special to, um, to make. Just again, it's called MAGA, as a little poking fun at the idea of uh, making America great again. Yeah, it's a good slogan if somebody else had it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh shit. It okay. definitely is not like I'm a full blown MAGA supporter. That's for sure. So it's just because Kanye was wearing the hat and it was a big thing. I just thought it was a funny name at the time. Yeah. Again, sarcastic satire. All right. What what brought you to uh, think of that song with the come up? Uh, so what brought me to the idea is just feeling like a lot of artists that I've studied their journey whether that's like, you know, M or Jay-Z or someone like that, that usually happens for them around the age of 25, 26, when they come out with their first big project, even DaBaby, you know, he's 26, this 2019 year. So I think it takes a lot of time if you're really being true to learning the craft and putting in your 10,000 hours at least. Right. Uh, so the, the come up, you know, is really like finally this presentation of, you know, I've been working really hard the past three or four years on, the music every single day but even before that you know with all the poetry and all the songwriting um so yeah the, the idea of a come up to me is i kind of know a lot of things behind the scenes in terms of labels and things that are going to be happening in the next 12 months so i feel like it's just a good foreshadowing name and that's kind of what it feels like in life you know to finally come up or i think it's more like coming into your own too being really comfortable with who you are as a person right i, I know when i first started podcasting I could barely listen to those first few interviews because <laughs> I was just sitting there, you know, going through papers, going, you know, trying to map out the storyline instead of actually having a conversation and listening. And now I'm, I'm so much more chill because I've had those failures. I've had that experience. I've came yeah. up to some extent where now I can get Derek on the horn and just have a conversation. We can both sit back at our cribs and, and just talk like homies. Right. Yeah, that's great self-awareness and observation, you know, to have the acuity to tune in and course correct to get there. Um, underrated. Inevitable. Under, you got underrated. It. Yeah, no okay. doubt. And, and I think it, what you said is just like come up is to be at a point of unconscious confidence where, you know, you're able to just make it natural and comfortable. 
you've perfected and got those kinks or that rust out of the way, you know. Mm-hmm. It's still raining outside in Seattle, but I'm I'm a little rust proof now. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not I'm not afraid of failure either, and I'm not afraid afraid of being vulnerable and, and making mistakes. Yeah, I think that that's um, you know I was just telling a friend this morning, humans are the only thing that pay for mistakes more than once. You know, I watch my dog a lot, and I observe the kids, especially kids typically have shorter memory with things too they don't make themselves pay for mistakes more than once usually um but yeah it's just interesting to see the way that we do that we have such a fear of rejection or a fear of failure in so many ways right uh, we, we live in a fear-based society if you turn on turn on the news you know the products they're selling you are fear-based the information they're giving you is fear-based like coronavirus is going to attack a million more tomorrow and the next day and the next day and then you keep turning in. It's it's like a vicious cycle, just like the drugs. It's very true. It's very true. So what's going on in Kirkland? I haven't been out there in a long time. I used to have a valley parking company that uh, ran that strip, third floor, Fish Cafe, um, Anthony's, and uh, mm. Piano Bar there. Whatever. There used to be Da Vinci's Pizza. But that was back in the 80s when uh, disposable income went to things like valet parking. Yeah. <laughs> There's no huge parking garages and stuff like that. Everybody had to find a spot. And that strip in Kirkland, it was a cruising strip. Everybody with their rides. Every Friday. Still is. Still is? Yeah, definitely. During the summertime, everyone brings out their whips. Old school, the new foreigns. uh, Everyone still wants to play their music loud and drop the top. Right. That was a good good place to be when I was in my early 20s, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, that's definitely... um, you know, we're enjoying it. I'm right here on the water. Um, very blessed, very lucky. Um, but yeah, this Kirkland area is, you know, it's, it's educated. It's smart um, in terms of the people and the way that they look at the world, whether it's different, you know, beliefs, different opinions. But um, it's safe. You know, it's a good community. It's a great it's a great place. Mm-hmm. How's the police department out there? You know, I've had a couple of run ins with them. It's funny. I actually was held at gunpoint early 2019 just for coming up i came outside my apartment at the wrong time and there was a shooting or an incident that took place um, within my building like 10 minutes before and the swat team was responding to a call and they detained me you know they other people walked out the building within the five minutes you know that i i had come out and they didn't detain anybody else so it ended up being this whole thing you know i sat there for an over an hour with military grade ars held in my head for no reason for like half of it it's all on camera, and they ended up taking the footage. But, um, you know, I've also had other incidents where, you know, Officer Flynn of the Kirkland Police Department, I actually have his business card still in my wallet, someone who I've actually reached out to recently to try and set up a conversation so I could start to get to understand what it's like from a cop's perspective more. Because when I first met him, it was very eye-opening. Uh, even just a little thing, like I went to shake his hand at the end of our experience together where I was helping a friend through a situation. Um, and I was kind of honestly like doing his job for him. And he said that he's like, wow, you're doing, you came, you showed up, you did this a hundred times better than I was doing. Thank you so much for doing my job today. Here's my business card. If you're ever in any kind of situation, I will be the first to attest that you're a good citizen and you're here to help people and do the right thing. And I was like, cool. Um, but you know, I went to shake his hand at the end of it and he's like, I'm going to let you know, typically we don't shake hands. That's one of the first things that we're taught in the academy is we don't shake 
citizen's hands because that's the quickest way that you could pull me to you and yeah. disarm me. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I'm definitely not going to do that. So shake my hand. <laughs> but it was really eye opening. And there's a couple other like little nuggets like that. So, you know, they're, they're the Kirkland Police Department. They had an incident at Menchie's for profiling a black man who was babysitting two, two younger white kids. You know, for me, I had that happen many times. My mom's white and me and my younger sister, who's six years younger than me, were curly hair, you know, brown kids. So they would ask all the time, like, what are you doing with those kids? Are those your kids or things like that? We heard that all the time. So and that's here in Washington. So I don't know. You have I see both sides. I have compassion. I think it's just a lot of people just, you know, you get taught what you're around when you're growing up. Right. If you don't know, if you don't know any better, you don't know any better. So. You know, to stick with it, if you're if you're on that side and you, you, you start to get other viewpoints from other logical adults that you have respect for and you want to really stick, you know, your feet in the ground and plant your flag, that's on you. That's saying something about just not being willing to be open-minded or consider other people's belief systems. But I do have a lot of compassion for both sides, especially being biracial. Like, it's really hard. How do we uh, bridge the, the gap of understanding and and you know, you, you came from a tough background, but you found your way out. You broke that cycle. How do we break these cycles both, you know, from the influencers in our life, the police department, the bad teachers, the bad coaches, bad group leaders, you know, how as a, as a kid do we break those cycles and, and contribute to better understanding? Um, you know, it starts with the family. So you know, that's on each individual. But, you know, one of the first things that come to mind, so my godparents were a huge influence. I I definitely, without my godparents, wouldn't have learned no damn manners. Um, But I think that it starts with, you know, like there needs to be built in. If you're you're having a child, there should be some kind of built-in training, um, some kind of built-in course. Like obviously these things are offered um, during, you know, early maternal stages or towards the end. There's different kinds of classes, but I'm talking like you have to get a license to operate a motorized vehicle, but you don't have to get a license to bring human life into the world, uh, which is much more valuable. And the whole reason why we get licensed is because we don't want to be a danger or a threat to other human life. And the biggest danger or threat to human life is a lack of nurturing and uh, 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 empowering environment in the ages of zero to three, which we found in psychology studies, which I'm huge on, uh, PhD after PhD doctor that, you know, the primary conditioning of a human being takes place between zero to three from their primary caregivers. So mm-hmm. all the synapses and neurons in your brain, there's over a trillion that are formed during that time period are literally, you know, your programming pretty much for your whole life because we found that the subconscious on autopilot you know, puts us through our day about 95, 97% of our actions and habits and things. So all that stems from being young. My biggest, and so how does this, how does this take place? Education reform, the family, focusing on developing and culturing homes that are loving, um, where people are there, there's reliability, there's accountability. Um, And I don't know, we also grow up in a a weird world where like sex education is not talked about in transparent it's taboo. And there's a lot of other things like that too, around the police, even, you know, this conversation is now opening up and people can say whatever they want about liberals and the left side. I think one side's really trying to have a conversation about it out in the open and is confused about it and their message. 
but at least they're trying to talk about it and get to understanding and get to healing as a one people. And then the right side, you know, it's like, we've been doing it this way for a while and it's worked for us. Um, that tends to be kind of like liberal versus conservative, like viewpoints for me. Um, in my experience in general, when I talk to those different types of parties, whether it's Democrat or Republican or however people, you know, say they, they believe, I think it's really just about having that conversation and just realizing like, you know, we're not, a, we're not a far way out from the civil rights movement. We're only 100 years removed from women having rights. You know, a lot of countries still haven't figured this out. We really have to have, we have to look in the mirror as, as a human race. You know, we can have this talk about race and continue to divide ourselves. There's one race, the human race. And we have to have some accountability for, you know, our own evolution. And what is the point of being here as a people? What can we agree upon? Well, we need to evolve like other species evolve. That's natural. So how do we get these natural processes to happen more efficiently? Because we get in our own way more than anything. Oh, for sure. Well, very well said there. Very well said. Um, you up for doing a little freestyle? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Grab a quick drink and hit it. Oh, yeah. I'm super down to do a freestyle. You want me to do something like acapella? Yeah, you don't have a band hiding in the closet behind you, right? No, I I don't. But if right. you want to give if you want to give me a word, uh, I'll play off of that. Fairy. Fairy. All right. I gotta I'm get. Rapping about, I'm rapping about the peace. They might say I'm a fairy, but where I'm where I come from, you see, is very scary. Huh. No fairy tale. I would say it's more like a hell or a prison cell hmm. where things don't go too well. Look. I flipped a penny in the well because I was wishing for something better. Nowadays, I'm flexing and stacking up this cheddar. But I ain't a rat, no 6 9 I'm always spilling conscious shit out the top of my mind. <laughs> Hold up, hit rewind. You might not have caught that. Yeah, you know what it is. Peaceful shit, no combat. <laughs> but the boy's immortal. I'm going to live forever because I talk for the spirit and I float like a feather. Yeah, still sting like a bee. Shout out the GOAT, Muhammad Ali. Just chilling this morning, reading a book, sipping some tea. You know me, peaceful P. Spread it till my eulogy. Beautiful, beautiful. I can't believe you brought six nine up. When when are you gonna get your facial test? <laughs> I mean, it works for Post Malone, Mike Tyson, Kashi Six Nine can get get his tats, bitch up in prison, and they all make money. Hey man, it's a it's a diff, different era. You you uh, hold on. You you're you're saying different. you can make it without a face tattoo? I think I, that this, I think that. Uh, come on, man! I'm busted. I'll never I will never reach. But I've a lot of I've always wanted to get a face tattoo before it was even like a common thing. And there's just people around me are always like, no, no, no. But I'm probably gonna end up getting like seven, 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 or. Um, like God will rise or something like that. Kind of like Nipsey's face tat that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will, I'll do something that's very blatant and spiritual. Oh yeah. So you, you're down for it. Yeah, I'm down for it. It's just like, you know, I, I just catch slack all the time from people. And there's also like from the business perspective, the only reason why I haven't pulled the trigger is actually, you know, I'm, I know I'm a good looking dude. I've had modeling agency deals on the table and things like that. So just like when you look forward to the future, like, um, and really, 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 truly, like keynote speaking gigs and things like that. I don't want to be denied an opportunity to speak in front of youth or any kind of platform to make an impact just because I have a tattoo on my face. 
you know. But also, my favorite thing is to blow up people's paradigms. So I'm damn sure probably going, I'm going to get two doctorates degrees and have tattoos on my face and, you know, do a whole bunch of things that are people would never guess, you know, someone with my body image would do. All right. Just know you don't have to. It's been done before. It's been done before. Be original, right? Right. Be 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 you, your true self, whatever that is. Yeah, no doubt. That's why I got my one tattoo for my sister, and I was like, oh, my God, these really are addicting. I'm going to hold off, and I haven't gotten one since because I know if I start doing it again, I'm probably going to ink my whole body. Yeah. I got Wonder Woman's airplane on my hand. <laughs> so what's good with you? What's your future look like? Um, and uh, tell people how they can get your album. Yeah, absolutely. So the album's available on all platforms, you know, whatever you listen on, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, SoundCloud. Um, you know, it'd be cool if you listen to it on one of the streaming platforms so the boy could get the three cents per stream or whatever it is. I'm just kidding. You know, uh, yeah, debut album's out. It's been out for a week. As of today, we're at 150K streams on Spotify alone. So that's really cool. That was like more streams than I've ever done on Spotify before that. Um, what's new or what's going on with me is, you know, I got a lot of radio coming up. I'm going to be at Dash Radio in LA at the end of the month. Uh, we're going to LA to do a mini press run. So there'll be some cool footage from there. I'm going to link up with some people. iHeartRadio. Uh, interview things like that i got a music video dropping on july 11th for the song classic off of trapeze artist there'll be another music video dropping a couple weeks after that so tons of content for people um, continuing to tell the story of trapeze artists and then you know around the end of summer i'm gonna put out this documentary about the whole album too and how it came together and really my story a lot of things we talked about today but even more in depth awesome i wish you all the best with that Sounds Thank like you, you uh, got some ambitious ideas and uh, rolling right along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just wish that I could get outside and do some summer uh, festivals and stuff like that. You know, that, it's Fourth of July weekend and it doesn't feel like Fourth of July weekend at all. No, it doesn't. I just made a peace, love, unity mask because we all have to wear them when we go inside too. So, you know. It is what it is. I'm trying to figure out a way to still spread peace, even if I can't see somebody. <laughs> so I made the mask. <laughs> I appreciate you hopping on this Zoom. And I know this is kind of a new for it, for, format for me. Um, and I'm pretty tech-tarded, so I appreciate you. Nah, man, it was super smooth. And, and thanks for having me. Your platform's really cool. I look forward to when things open up, hopefully coming up there and being in studio with you. Yeah, for sure. We'll hit a bike ride, hit some lunch, and uh, get in the studio. and. Uh, Talk some more for sure. Yeah, kick some more freestyles. You just, let's just kick some right now. Give me a little island beat. I live on an island. You're across the water from me. You <laughs> want a little island beat? I don't. I you know I can't. I can't give you that because that special flow. That's like one of the things that we're going to be doing towards the end of the summer here. You know, on the deluxe version that drops July 26th, there's some island type vibes. And I can't give that melody away, man. I can't give that sauce away. Uh, a month from now, for sure, we can do a freestyle like that. Use that stuff out. <laughs> we we uh we we definitely put some summer vibes. That was you know that was a big goal too. It's just to give people something to, if they can go outside for their walk or whatever it is, you know, just something to vibe to. Yeah, I mean, even you think of songs like Will Smith, "Summertime." That vibe is never gonna get old. Every summer, you're gonna hit it. Oh, true. That rock beat, you know, schools out forever. 
you know. Mm-hmm. I think a Montel Jordan's "This Is How We Do It" that oh. vibe's always in the vibe. Yeah, some things are classics that'll never go away, and they bring in a new season. You know, that's what we should talk about next time: is how to make a classic. That's something that I'm, I obsess about, and I would love your opinion on. You know what you've always gravitated to, and we could talk more about certain songs. You know, because that that's an interesting conversation right there. This is the ear test. You know, you heard of the eye test. Does it pass the eye test? Does it pass the ear test? Do your mm-hmm. feet stamp to the concrete? Does your booty start shaking? Do yeah. You twitch going as your head starts to bob. It, yeah. It, it affects you. You know. You know. You can't yeah. can't deny it. So. What, what is the, What is that? It's 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 almost like um it's almost palpable. It's just I've been studying it so much, trying to put a finger on what is this? You know, is it just perfect following of music theory? But you can do it in rock and roll. You could do it in hip hop. It's just like, shit, that's good. You know, <laughs> I think the foundation is poetry. It really is. Mm. You know, it, it's telling you a story. It's creating the hook. It's it's the foreshadowing. It's the conclusion. It's the the emotional content of it. There's mm. so much crap on the radio that's just a good hook, a good beat. And it's somebody saying the same thing eight times, you know, three times throughout the song and the song's over. Right. And there's so much sampling too. I, I get frustrated because I'm an old head. You know, people used to lay down the tracks for real. You know, there's no drum machines and stuff like that. And you can tell the difference between somebody playing a bass guitar, recording that, putting it on the computer and then laying it in versus the techno side. And DJ got really big. And it was just like, I don't know how these guys get paid so much money because the songs aren't really made for the dance clubs, but then they remix this stuff and they're, everything's sampled and it's, it's not really original. You know, you got your counts and you blend things together and that's how it works. But I'd like to see somebody come out with those classic hitters, you know, and I think this this MAGA song that I'm going to play on the way out um, is a good re- re- um, representation of something going in that direction. Thank you. That's um, when I originally put that out. That was a big goal of like, okay, I'm going to share this as this is the this is the when you associate with Peaceful Pinder the brand. This is ultimately the type of music where 80 percent of my catalog will be like that. The other 20 percent will be, you know, the bouncy you know it's more most 80 percent will be like come up or like make america great again um but a big part of it is you're right getting away from some of the auto tune, some of the sampling making original stuff telling a story um and then also i think bringing in like a female singer like on make america great again can bring them it brings an aesthetic to your ear um it creates a vibe that's just you know that's almost like if i ruled the world with nas and lauren hill or something like that right I know not everybody appreciates Macklemore, um, but one thing I really appreciate about him is the females that he brings in to sing on his tracks. They re- really bring something different. Same with that guy that screams like crazy. Yeah. I forget his name and the tune, but, you know, it's such contrast and it, it's a beautiful pairing for sure. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Peaceful Pender. Peace, gang. Much love. Thanks for taking some time. Uh, I'll hit people up with the links, and uh, I'm going to spread the, the peace, love, mindfulness, and everything you got going on.
I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You look swaggy in that Ray Allen jersey, too. That was, like, the first thing I noticed. He's got some classic Seattle gear, man. That's what I grew up watching. There's Luke Riddenauer, Luke Riddenauer in the squad. Oh, my God. I, I remember, I don't know where we were, um, but Luke Riddenauer, it was, like, his third day. And I was sitting right next to Jack Sigma on the bench. I think it was uh, – I, I played with his kid, Nate. <laughs> oh, Yeah. He probably has a better shot, better looking shot. Jack's shot was so <laughs> funky. Well, little janky. Yeah, janky is a good word for it. But uh, Luke was there, and they were talking about it was he was going to be hard pressed to make the team. And some other guy from uh, Gonzaga, I want to say Farmer or something like that, just deadly three point shooter. But it was the green and gold game, and it was at uh, SPU. It was free. I remember that. Yeah. I saw Durant his rookie year. I have a ball signed by Durant because I went to that practice. Yeah. So everybody's in there trying to make the team. And Riddenauer that day just went off. And I was just screaming at at Nate, you know, I I like the rookie. I like the rookie. Bring on that rookie. And then his handles were just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Fun fun fact about Luke. uh, One year he got traded like 13 times. The year he got retired. Yeah. Is the salary cap reasons and stuff like that? Yeah. Trip. So he got he He made a career. It's crazy to me that he made a career in the NBA. Good player. Yeah, he was real solid. He's actually really solid. All right, stay well. I'm gonna take you out with a uh, little MAGA. Sounds great. Blessings. Peace. I just wanted to take a moment, man. To speak to everyone out there, regardless of your race, whatever color you are, how you think, your sexuality, just make a song for all of us, because we're all kind of lost on this journey, and life is confusing and complex, and we need each other more than we realize, I think it's time we start to own that. Still I see no changes All I see is racist faces A president that hates us for being the wrong color as him Like we control the color of our damn skin What's it take for a brother to win? Do we gotta sell our soul to sin? Sell our soul to win? Same story, different day, bullshit What? Still enslaved the white man, look let me take you back to the beginning Before all competition Before only thing important was winning Back when being was different When we actually listened Before corrupt politicians A cohesive existence Peaceful times seem distant Things can change in an instant I'm pouring out my heart and soul Man, I burn like an instant Yeah, my passion is different I'm God's angel, man I don't need a fucking chain to glisten They scared you. Yeah, they are slaving the way we lacking equality policies, never hearing us. 
chip. <laughs> we need a ball together. <laughs> Rise to the top after fall together. It's all in all. I call us to all do better. The fall is never fall if we all yeah, take each other's hands. Yeah, make America great again. Yeah, make America great again. Come on, make America great again. is a good thing. But did you know it makes use of the scraps that humans would never eat? The problematic aspect of the pet food industry is the rendered animal material, animal parts that the Food and Drug Administration considers unsafe for human consumption. This rendered meat falls under the four Ds. The food is sourced from animals classified as dead, down, dying, or diseased. And since you're likely feeding your dog the same thing every day, your pet is being exposed to this unhealthy food at every meal. The ingredients used in today's dog foods would shock most pet owners. The Clean Label Project is an organization that tested pet food to find out what's really in it. The group analyzed 80 brands and discovered dangerous amounts of toxic chemicals like lead and mercury. And if you're feeding your dog an animal-based diet, your puppy is ingesting the hormones and antibiotics that farm animals are injected with too. Not to mention the bacteria, parasites, and growth hormones that have been associated with raising livestock. Although using decomposed animal tissue for pet food is a violation of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetics Act, the FDA Center for Veterinary Medicine publicly admits that it's rarely enforced. Popular pet website Dog Food Advisor has reported over 180 dog food recalls since 2009, and the major recalls were related to bacterial contaminants from meat sources. There is no way to truly verify what is in these pet foods. There are currently nine terms used to classify meat, three of which do not need to disclose the animal species it's sourced from. Your dog could easily be eating diseased goat or pig flesh. A research team at Chapman University analyzed 52 commercial pet foods in 2015 and found that 40% of the products tested contain mislabeled meat products. The FDA states that pet foods labeled as premium or gourmet do not need to contain higher quality ingredients either. Well, what can you feed your pet then? Dogs can thrive on a plant-based diet thanks to fermented fungi protein like yeast and koji. Koji is a fungus that has been used in Asian cultures for centuries, and it's known for its prebiotic health benefits. Humans use it to make soy sauce, miso, and rice vinegar. Cruelty-free pet food company Wild Earth is fermenting koji and yeast protein in a sustainable three-day process and turning it into dog food that contains all 10 essential amino acids needed for your dog's health. Dogs don't need to consume unnaturally large-bred animals to get the nutrients they need. Yeast protein provides 49% protein by weight, whereas steak only provides 24%. And fungi's low-carbon footprint makes it better for the earth, too. Your pet counts on you to make the best choice when it comes to food. Make it the right choice. 